Okay, we are in Acts chapter 20 this morning. We'll be looking at actually uh, verses 17 to 38. So Acts 20 verses 17 to 38. Give you a minute to get there in your Bible. Acts 20, verses 17 to 38, says this. Now from Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. And when they came to him, he said to them, You yourselves know how I have lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews. How I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying both to the Jews and to the Greeks of repentance toward God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now, behold, I am going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. But I do not account my life of any value, nor is precious to myself, if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And now, behold, I know that none of you among whom I, am, uh, I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all of you. For I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. And now I commend you to God and to the word of His grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I covet no one's silver or gold or apparel. You yourselves know that these hands ministered to my necessities and to those who were with me. In all things I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And when he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. And there was much weeping on the part of all. They embraced Paul and kissed him, being sorrowful, most of all because of the word he had spoken, that they would not see his face again. And they accompanied him to the ship. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this word that you've given us to look at this morning. We thank you for um, this interaction that we get a look at between Paul and the elders of Ephesus. And we pray, Lord, that uh, Paul's words to them in that time, 2,000 years ago, uh, would inspire and encourage and press us on in our faith in the Lord Jesus and what he's called us to do and accomplish in our lives. 
God, I ask your Holy Spirit to be here among us as I preach these words and as we hear them as a body of believers, that you will be honored and glorified this day. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. I'm calling this message uh, Finish, and um, as many of you know, um, you know, being a bivocational minister, uh, some weeks go smoother than others in, in preparation. And I've told you at times that uh, I've come before you honestly and said at times that there are some weeks where the notes don't get very organized. And so for that, I apologize this morning. Um, but the Lord has something to say to us this morning, and I do uh, want to share it with you. What we see here in this passage is Paul um, interacting with the Ephesian elders. He has left Ephesus and he's traveling about the, the Spirit is guiding him to go back to Jerusalem. And here in this interaction, we see him call the elders away from Ephesus to come speak to him. So this is just the leaders of the church of Ephesus. This church which he spent three years in ministering to and proclaiming the gospel to. He calls them to himself and gives them some very important words that they need to hear as they lead the church. Now, those of you who've been with us for a while know that we were just in the book of Ephesians, and this actually precedes the letter of Ephesians by 10 or so years. And so as you think about the letter that's sent back to the Ephesians, these are the elders that he knew, that he had a relationship with, that he uh, built up while he was ministering in the city of Ephesus. And as we know, when he sends his letter back to Ephesus, uh, he's sending it to, he doesn't know who, he's sending it to the disciples of these disciples, those who have come after these elders. And so we see that his interaction with these elders is, is very deeply felt. At the end of this passage, we hear him saying that they were crying and weeping at Paul leaving him. Paul had boldly at this time been told by the Spirit that he was never going to see these people again. Can you imagine like being told by the Spirit that you're interacting with someone and and this person that you've known for years, you're never going to see them again. You're you're going on, you're never going to see them again. It's not that your life is ending, it's just the Lord has told you that you won't get to see them ever again. It's a powerful moment, and he has spent day after day with these people sharing the testimony of God's grace. And so that's what we see here, Paul lining out. We see a couple things that I want to hit on uh, during our time this morning. And, And the first is, we see a picture of how Paul led the church. And there's a lot that we can learn from how he led the church. It's applicable to us Today, and we see him uh, challenging the leaders of Ephesus to not only lead the church but lead themselves. And we see some great wisdom for us in how we ought to be leading ourselves throughout our days. So, the first portion of the passage, we we see verses uh, really 18 on to uh, 27. Uh, Paul is giving really a testimony to the, the Ephesians, sort of of what they already know about Paul. He's actually declaring to them that, you know, this is how I was among you. This is how I was when I ministered to you. And we'll just walk through some of the things that he says. He says this, I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears, with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews how I didn't shrink back from declaring to you anything that was profitable, teaching you in public and from house to house. Everywhere Paul goes, he has, at this time, met with opposition. 
either from uh, the Jews who were mad at him for converting to Christianity and drawing people over to follow Jesus as the Messiah and were uh, bringing affliction upon Paul and trying to defame him and and draw him out and, and keep people from listening to him. To uh, the, the Roman uh, entities of the various cities that he traveled to. As we saw in our study of Ephesians, as his proclamation of the gospel in Ephesus caused riots among those who were selling idols in that town. In every city that Paul went with the gospel, he was met with opposition. But he didn't shrink back, declaring whatever was profitable. He declared whatever was profitable in in public as well as in house to house, day to day as he spent time with the Ephesian church. What did he teach them from house to house? Very simple thing, the gospel. Verse 21, he says this, testifying both to the Jews and to the Greeks. He didn't care who he was talking to. His message was for all people, which is the beauty of the gospel teaching them of repentance toward God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Two components there, right? Repentance toward God. It's a recognition that we're broken, right? A recognition that we've been walking through this life and we uh, have made a few mistakes along the way. In fact, maybe a lot of mistakes. Actually, daily, lots of mistakes, right? Let's be honest. It's a recognition not only that we've just made mistakes, but our identity has been sinner. A a propensity to serve ourselves rather than God. And so Paul goes about in every situation to the Greeks and to the Jews, to the religious and to the non-religious, saying, you have built up yourself as as not needing the the help of God. You're going to do it on your own. Paul says, you've got to repent and do this one thing, place your faith in the only one that has accomplished it all, in Jesus. He testifies of this message. Paul, you know, as he shares his testimony every time, he was that religious person. Why does he have so much flack from the Jews at the time? He was a leader of the Jews, okay? And so when he came to faith, it was a big deal that he came to faith in Jesus and started proclaiming Jesus as Messiah. He went from torturing the church that was blossoming to leading the church that was blossoming. He went about testifying of repentance toward God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Next, we see him share this very fact that now he is going to Jerusalem. Not only is he led, has he been led by the Spirit to testify of God's grace and of repentance and faith toward Jesus, but also he has followed the Spirit in everything. And in this moment, the Spirit is telling him to go to Jerusalem. Can you imagine hearing this? We talked a little bit about it last week, but Jerusalem is the place where Paul was uh, threatened for death, okay? It was run out of town. And now the Spirit says, hey, Paul, um, I know you've been doing all this uh, ministry among uh, the Mediterranean cities and meeting new people and all this stuff. I want you to go back to Jerusalem where they're going to kill you. It'll be all right? (laughs) 
22, I'm going to Jerusalem constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Spirit testifies imprisonment and afflictions are ahead of me. Paul, led by the Spirit, is going to a city where he knows what is going to meet him there are circumstances that are not comfortable. And this is where we see Paul share with them his motivation and his, um, his guiding principle in life, really. Something has changed in Paul when he came to know the Lord Jesus, and, and this is it. He says this in verse 24, I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of God's grace. Paul doesn't count his life of any value. He has gone from, and we, we all are there, right? Our natural uh, bent is to care only for our own comfort. To do whatever we can to make ourselves comfortable. We're really good at it. <laughs> but Paul says, I, I went from that to not worrying about what my life looks like, but rather worrying about what Christ has called me to do. That looks like all sorts of things. What he's called you to do is a job that you're in today. What he's called you to do is a family that you're in. What he's called you to do is, is be with the friends that you're with. Okay, to give your life to them for the gospel. He's called us to this. I, I believe this is true when we follow Jesus in this, and I believe this is true of Paul uh, as he proclaims it to them, as he says, I don't count my life of any value. All I desire is to proclaim the gospel. It makes me think this, that if you give your all to giving, you'll never want for anything. If you give your all, if you give all your life to giving, you're never going to want for anything. That's exactly what Paul did. He gave his entire life to giving himself out over and over and over and over. And did he, was he concerned about anything he had? No. He had everything he needed. Even in prison, as we see later, he's writing letters to encourage and build up the church all over the Mediterranean. When you give your life to giving, you're not going to want for anything. Be wholly satisfied in what Christ has called you to do. Paul um, finishes sort of testifying of his time with Ephesians with these uh, verses. He says, And now, behold, I know that none of you among whom I've gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. And therefore I testify to this day that I am innocent of the blood of all of you, for I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Paul has lived with no regret. As he went in and among the Ephesians, every single day he poured out himself completely and wholly. He didn't live with any regret. He finished his ministry well at Ephesus. He left without worrying about anything he had done. And so as I see that, as I see him proclaim that and say, hey, uh, blood is off my hands. I have discharged my duty. I've done everything I am supposed to do here in Ephesus. I wonder, how did he get there? You know? 
How did he get to a place where he could say that so boldly to the Ephesians? And I think it was this, that he, he didn't see when the finish was. <laughs> he didn't care when the finish was, actually, I don't think. He was concerned with today. He was concerned with giving himself today to the Ephesians. And when the Spirit led, he listened to the Spirit and went. Paul didn't finish well by knowing how his time in Ephesus would end. He finished well because he left it all on the table every single day. And so when it came to the end and the Lord said, okay, now it's time for you to leave Ephesus and go on to Jerusalem where you're going to be imprisoned and and tortured um, and then sent to Rome to be imprisoned, you know, he was okay. And he could go before these elders and say, hey guys, I've laid it all out there for you. I've proclaim the whole counsel of God to you. Day in and day out, I have shown you how Jesus is the Messiah, how he's the one true way to heaven, how he is our only hope. And so I'm innocent of all the blood uh, of anybody in this region because I have discharged my ministry and now it is yours. In the final verses, we see him sort of shift and Uh, Now instruct these elders, these leaders of Ephesus, how they now are to carry the baton forward in Asia and in uh, in, uh, the region of Ephesus. And he starts with these powerful words. He says, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. His first instruction to them, take care of yourselves. <laughs> Pay careful attention to yourselves, he says. This is important. Uh, this is a sort of a, a word to people who've been called to vocational ministry. So I'm sort of preaching back against the wall and back to myself, <laughs> you know. Um, take care of yourselves. So many times, unfortunately, in ministry, ministers don't take care of themselves. And often that starts with how they're treating their families and how they're leading their families. The truth is, if I'm not leading my family very well, I'm not leading very well. Paul's instruction to these elders is to take care of yourselves. I mean, I want to live a, wor- a, a, a life worth, uh, worth following, right? And so, just as he's saying to these Ephesian elders, I, I strive for that and want that. I want that my life would reflect not perfection, but the grace of God ministering in my family on a constant basis. Paul says to him, the first thing you got to know about leading really anything, and this is where it comes to all of us, pay attention to yourself. Truth is, each of us have been given a flock to care for. We've talked about it many a time that while some of us are in a vocational capacity in ministry, all of us, according to 1 Corinthians and many other passages, are called to ministry when we've come to faith in Jesus. And so while your flock might not look like, uh, you know, a church uh, group or, or whatever, your flock is your coworkers, your flock is your friends, your flock is your uh, peers in the business community, your flock is your family. 
And so if you expect to see this flock, these people that you have influence with flourish and grow and see their best, take care of yourself. And this is how you care for yourself. You remember what Christ has done. The church of God has been obtained by the blood of Jesus. The Holy Spirit has made people leaders in that, but, but the salvation has come through Jesus. And so how do you care for yourself? You continually remind yourself of the gospel and sit in it. You preach it to yourself. You encourage yourself with it. Next, Paul says this to them. And another thing that the the Spirit has simply told him, I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. This is a powerful sentence in this passage. Okay, he's talking to the leaders of the church in Ephesus. And what does he say? First, it is certain that fierce wolves will come among the flock to, uh, to draw them away from the gospel, to point them to maybe salvation by works or uh, toward being caught up in the world or what ha- whatever it is. They will come. He's not, he's, it's not an if, it's a when. They will come in among the flock and try to uh, persuade others to follow not Jesus, but something else. And the kicker here in the statement is that he says, some of them are going to be you. Why does he say to watch your own selves? Because we're just as susceptible to the temptations of the world as anybody as leaders of the church. And so as he's telling these leaders, he says, watch yourselves. Because fierce wolves will come among you and lead you astray. And some of those fierce wolves will be among you here. Paul saw, I mean, the disciples of the, the disciples and apostles of Jesus saw this firsthand. One of the chosen followers of Christ during his ministry was Judas who betrayed him. And it's true now, fierce wolves will come and and pull us away from trusting in the simple gospel that Christ has done it for us already and he is our only hope. Therefore, he says, 31, be alert, remembering for three years I did not cease night or day admonishing everyone with tears. And he gives them some instruction on how they are to watch themselves. And it's very simple, and we all can do it. He says, Now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. How are we to watch ourselves? Trust God that he's got you where you need to be right now, today, and lean entirely into his word. We talk about it so much here all the time that this is our guidebook. There are 66 
books in this uh, collection here we call the Bible, Old Testament and New. And when Paul says, I have proclaimed to you the whole counsel of God at that time, the only thing he had the counsel of God for was the Old Testament. And so he says here, you know, trust in the word of grace. Do you want to know how you're going to fight against the temptations of the world and the things that come your way? Sit in the word of grace. Sit in this scripture. Sit in this text. Don't follow what one man says. In fact, anything I say today, check it against the scripture and tell me if I'm wrong. And, and if you listen to a podcast, is someone teaching something, check it against the scripture. If you listen to some great business leader or anybody that you listen to and they're giving you some instruction about your life, don't just take it for what they say. Look at the word and say, does this line up with how the spirit would lead me today and what the spirit has called me to do today? Paul, knowing that fierce wolves would come in among the church of Ephesus, gives them this one thing, the word. Listen, wolves are going to come in and try and pull you away from the gospel. Go to the word and see the faithfulness of God over and over and over. That's right. He does. He does. He does say that. That's right, exactly. Amen to that. Amen to that. Paul says this, and he shows us exactly what that looks like. He says in verse 33, I coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. You know yourselves that these hands ministered to my necessities and to those who are with me. In all things I've shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Paul, in his ministry to the Ephesians, he worked. He provided for his own sustenance. He worked hard because he knew he was called to that place. And this thing was just starting. So he gave all that he had for that, knowing that this is what he was called to do. And so we're all called to do the same thing, to give up all that we have. To minister to one another. As Jesus said, it's more blessed to give than receive. And, and as, we, as we give our all to giving, you'll find that you don't want anything, right? Paul concludes by um, saying this, and, and when he finishes, this beautiful scene happens. The Ephesian elders are just weeping and crying as they say goodbye to their friend who they'll never see again. What we see in this, pas- in this passage is that Paul has a passion to accomplish what God has called him to do. To, to finish the ministry that God has given him. His passion uh, to give himself for others has an origin. And that origin is following what God has done. You see, God saw fit to give everything for us. To let His Son come and live a life just like we live a life. To be tempted just as we are tempted with the same temptations, yet without sin. And to give Himself for us. 
as Paul let that truth sit in him when he came to know the Lord, as he saw that Jesus, in fact, was the Messiah and he had accomplished for us the grace that we need at the cross, he knew exactly what he needed to do the rest of his life to give himself just as Jesus had given himself. Paul's passion for ministry that we see just so raw in this passage with the Ephesian elders came from his watching what God has done for us and giving everything for us. So as we go this morning, I just leave us with a couple things. Pray for our church. Pray for our church and all the other churches in this city. Pray what Paul prayed, that when wolves come in among the church and try and draw us away from Jesus the Messiah, that we would stand in the counsel of God and His Word. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. Pray that the church would stand against the fierce wolves that come in among us. And finally this, it is more blessed to give than to receive. This is a worthy statement that if you give your all, if you spend your life giving yourself, you won't want for anything. I challenge you to do it in every aspect of your life. I challenge you to give yourself in your family. I challenge you to give yourself in your business. I challenge you to give yourself with your friends. I challenge you to find the strength in God to give yourself to those around you. And I promise you, if your focus shifts from saying, my circumstance, my situation, my difficulty, and turns to, And how can I help? How can I change? How can I? You won't want for anything. It won't come from some just internal like human spirit. Because if you try and find it in yourself, you try to find that strength in yourself, you'll find yourself wanting. What it comes from is seeing the power of God in Jesus. That Christ gave all for you. And that now you are empowered by the Holy Spirit to give all for him to those he's placed you around. I mean, I am inspired by the way Paul talks to these men. Day in and day out, from house to house, he's ministering to him a simple truth. Find the gospel of God in Jesus. And at the end of three years of doing this, he has grown men weeping and crying and following him to a ship to send him off. I mean, can you sort of get that image in your mind? Like, Paul so faithfully ministered to these people that grown men come and see him from 30 miles away and they're crying because he's leaving. I don't know about you, but usually when I, you know, say goodbye to another dude and I might not see him for a long time, don't really know when, you know, hey, see you later, dude. Right? Paul had so given himself to these people. They're weeping at the fact that they'll never see him again. I tell you, if you give yourself 
to your life the way Paul gave himself to the church in Ephesus, you won't want for anything. And you will go to imprisonment and affliction all you want and be fully satisfied knowing that you laid it all on the table for the gospel and its proclamation. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this testimony of Paul's life and thank you for your faithfulness to speak to us through your word. And thank you for, uh, I just trust your Holy Spirit in, in the ramblings of a preacher that you would change our hearts and challenge us this morning to live like Christ did, uh, to follow even Paul's example and giving all that we are for those that you have placed around us. We trust that you have uh, intentionally placed us where we are at with the people that we are with, that it is not an accident. And so we pray, Lord, that, that you will be glorified in our lives, that we would truly come to know that is more blessed to give than to receive. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.